and welcome to the Gen X Playback Show, your favorite show about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We are the Brothers High. I'm Scott. And I'm Sean. And you are listening to Sister Sledge. Yeah, you are. Sibling bands from, right. the, uh, from the Gen X era. Talking about family. That's right. And uh, for those of you who are baseball fans, remember the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates? This was their theme song. It was their theme song. And we hated the Pittsburgh Pirates back then. <laughs> we did, yeah. And they, they put on the top of their dugout the family. That's right. Yeah. Do say the Pirates. This is the family, and this, they always played this. Well, you know, it helped them win a world championship. And I still am playing the song despite of my hatred for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, it's funny because you know the Sister Sledge are actually from Philly. Uh, the song was adopted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, but the Phillies were hurt that year. They won the World Series next year. That's right. They, they came so. back. All right. So, if you're tuning in to part two of our episode on sibling bands, hopefully you enjoyed part one where I ran down my top 12 as well as some honorable mentions. So before Sean gets into his, I'll just recap my top 12. Starting with number 12, I I chose the band Devo with the Mothers Ball and Cassell Brothers. My number 11 band was the Kinks, Ray and Dave Davies. Number 10 was the Black Crows with Chris and Rich Robinson. Number 9, the Pointer Sisters with Ruth, Bonnie, and Anita Pointer. Number eight was Heart with Anne and Nancy Wilson. Number seven, The Bangles with Vicki and Debbie Peterson. Number six, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Maurice and Verdine White. Number five, The Bee Gees, Barry, Robin, and Morris Gibb. Number four, The Jacksons, Jackie, Tito, Michael, Randy, and Marlon Jackson. Number three, The uh, ACDC with Malcolm and Angus Young. Number two, In Excess, with the Ferris Brothers, Andrew, John, and Tim. And my number one band was the Mighty Van Halen, uh, with Eddie and Alex Van Halen. So, Sean, it's all yours. Take it away. Okay, so uh, as we go through my list, uh, you're going to notice a lot of similar bands. Uh, as I, I do a count here of my top 12, Scott, my brother came up with eight of my okay. my artists. So well, I'm glad there's four, you know? Yeah, I, I so, didn't want it to be completely the well, same. Well, but then you you chimed in with two of my honorable mentions. Oh, okay. And and so they will there you know, there's another two to add to the list. But that's okay. And we have similar taste unless Scott had said in the part one of the episode. We are separated oftentimes by a few years and what we like. You know, oftentimes it's it at times it's the the album that came before the mm-hmm. album that the other you know that I, I like the one and album before Scott liked it, so that, that did happen a few times. And there's also a couple of times you did pick a couple of my songs. Okay. So I did have to go back and do some little tweaks. Not very often. I think I had to go back and change about three. Okay. So I I had some backups ready to go just in case. So without further ado, we're going to get into my list, and we're going to start at number twelve. Uh, here's a band that I don't think Scott will be surprised that this is actually on my list. And I hope our Gen X audience remembers the band Nelson with Matthew and Gunnar Nelson. Sure. Yeah. And I, when they came out in 1990, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, they were, they were 
Love and Affection is, is a good song. I think I ended up, uh, you know, I have it on my downloads of songs that I'll bring back from time to time. Right. I, I, I thought you might go with that one if that if they were on your list. So that's why I came in with After the Ring, which, to be honest with you, is a song I liked more. Even today, I like this song better. And for people that might not know the, the backstory, if there ever was rock and roll royalty, mm-hmm. the Nelson brothers were part of that. You know, they, sure. were, they were twins, and their father was one of the original rock stars, Ricky Nelson. He was, yeah. Somebody our mom was a big fan of. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, a television star with the, you know, Ozzy and Harriet show. Um, and then he went on to have an incredible singing career, Ricky did. And Matthew and Gunner, for at least a couple years, were highly regarded. Yeah. I mean, during before grunge hit, you know, we, we mentioned all the time how grunge changed the taste. Uh, you know, Matthew and Gunner fit very much into kind of what, you know, what we said, don't call them hair bands. Right. But they would have fallen into that, you know, kind of pretty boy type of music. I think they got... They got typecast because of their looks in a lot of ways. Because they're very distinct, good-looking guys, long blonde hair. Very long blonde hair. And I don't know if heavy metal purists accepted them as being part of the group. Probably not. No. Because I don't think their music was had that enough of an edge to it to be qualified as heavy metal. No. And, but at the, in 1990, 1989, 1990, 1991, that's kind of where that music was going. Yeah, it's yeah, becoming it more pop music. Yeah, so was. you're right. The, the purists were getting annoyed at that, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of setting the stage in a lot of ways for what becomes grunge, mm-hmm. which is kind of a backlash against bands like Nelson, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, it, that you know, I think Nelson kind of gets lumped into that, where you know people don't want to admit that they liked them back then, but they were popular. There's no way they, they would they wouldn't have sold as many albums or toured like they did or been on MTV as much as they were if people didn't like them. Mm-hmm. And they were they were a, they were good musicians. I mean, the the band it was it was a good band. It was. And for the time that it came out we're talking 1990, 1991, even a little bit in 1992, pre-grunge. You know, this was the sound. This it was, was the sound that was very popular. It was. So, I I think that song After the Rain still holds up uh, for Nelson, but they're number 12 on my list. So, uh, number 11 is a band, I think they were on your honorable mansion list. Okay. So, I, and you actually did select the song that I was going to play, so I had to come up with a different one. This is Stone Temple Pilots, and I, I picked this song in particular as my backup just because, you know, the brothers that are being featured are the DeLeo brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's Dean and Robert DeLeo, you know, guitar and bass. And I think that's this song, Vaseline, yeah. really has a good guitar and bass groove going on. Sure does, yeah. And <clears throat> it, this this is kind of the band on full display yeah. on a song like this because... 
you know, when I was going back and, and putting my list together, and I hadn't really pulled out STP in a while, and you you hear the band itself, and Scott Weiland was one of those generational singers. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's a shame that he was such a flake. That's very that self-destructive. He, he pretty much got himself kicked out of the band. Yeah. Otherwise, I think Stone Temple Pilots could have been an all-time group because they had about three or four albums that went up against anybody's of the decade and they were they were like I said they were one of the few bands that was huge from beginning to end of the 90s it it, they were and you know they're a band that I don't I don't put in that grunge category Mm -mm. you know they to me they're just rock band but yet you can you can see where fans of grunge could latch on to a band like this yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, to me, they're, they're kind of there in that that Alice in Chains type of sound where I liked that music. Yeah. It, it wasn't a stretch for what I was listening to at the time. Right. And I always liked the DeLeo brothers. I mentioned in part one that you get siblings that just kind of have a connection musically with one another. And I think in that song you can kind of pick up that that they're really playing off each other. Uh, and, yeah. And I, I I think that's really yeah, good. Yeah, Vaseline's a good choice. All right. So that is number eleven. Number ten on my list. This, my, bro- my brother will not be surprised that this is on my list. Um. This is the great gap band with the three brothers. You know, the incomparable Charlie Wilson on lead vocals. And then we have Ronnie and Robert uh, as well, you know, out of Oklahoma. The, the, the gap band, if there was something I was into in 1982, it was this. Well, and a lot of people agree with you, particularly with this song. I think this song was, was voted one of the greatest wedding songs of the 20th century okay that came out what 1982 1982 and, and I had this album on vinyl and um, but yeah I mean you know I talked about the Jacksons and it's and music that kind of stands up over time and I could just as easily dance to this at a party or, or a wedding today as I could have 30 40 years ago well it's funny because when, when Scott DJs and at, at an event that, you know, if I'm at, I'm not on the floor until this song comes on. And usually I, I, I look over and, I, and he's looking at me, generally when he plays this, and I am I go right out onto the floor. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, good good choice. Yeah, the Gap Band. And I, yes, uh, he's not lying, folks. He was, an, he was a huge fan of the Gap Band. Right. Yeah. No, um, it, it's, uh, it, you know, both, both uh, Ronnie and, and Robert have passed away, mm-hmm. but Charlie's still doing it. I yeah. mean, Charlie has overcome a lot in his life. I mean, this could have been on our comeback episode. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie was somebody that went from the heights of, of the Gap Band, which, you know, one of the bigger R- R&B bands out there, funk bands out there. And then I think he's homeless living under a bridge due to his, you know, insane drug habit that he right. had. And he's totally rebuilt his life back. He's, he's a man of faith now, and he is... 
you know, to me, right up there, and it's, it's incredible that he still has his voice. Mm-hmm. He's, he never lost the voice. You talk about Aaron Neville. The same thing happened to him, and he never lost that fantastic voice. Mm-hmm. And Charlie, today, no matter of all the abuse, he still can belt it out. Yeah. So, you know, that's the Gap Band, uh, the, the Wilson Brothers. Um, I think sometimes they get overlooked, and I think that's a shame, so I'm going to do my best here to try to revive the Gap Band. Revive the Gap Band. So... Number nine on my list, Scott had on his list. I don't know, remember what number it was. You can, you can tell me um, after we play this. But this is a band where uh, Scott talked about this song in particular. And this is an example of me being one album before him. And so I'll let this play. I remember how much you loved this song. <laughs> yeah. Feeling guilty, feeling scared, hidden cameras everywhere. Stop! Hold on. Stay in control. Girl, I want you here with me. But I'm really not as cool as I like to be. Cause there's a man under my bed. And there's a little yellow man in my head. And there's a trip. And of course, as we talked about in our previous uh, part one, this is the Kinks. And Scott references the song Destroyer, and he talks about how at one point he and I changed the lyrics and we put family members. Well, that's what I'm thinking of as you're playing the song. (laughs) We put cousins and, and aunts and uncles in in this and it's a hilarious version that none of you would find funny no. but we i know it, we're chuckling right now just thinking of of the lyrics definitely makes me smile but and, and you had mentioned that you really liked the follow-up album yes. that came out with this yeah. and you had that one so but i had this one this is what, give the people what they want you know i don't know that destroyer is one that you'll see listed among their greatest hits sure uh but i think those who were into the kinks this is this is one of the biggies well, you know, it it's tough for a band to transition into sounds of that era. And I think this song, to me, really does kind of settle into that 1982, 1981. Yeah, sure. Yeah, where, you know, you talked about in one of the previous episodes with the Moody Blues and Gemini Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it's... It, it's it, although this has more guitar, you hear definitely hear Dave in this yeah. uh, more than the synthesizer, but there's synthesizer in it. And they're, they're, you can definitely feel that they've assimilated to kind of the sound of the time. Not that, it, not that it's bad. I'm not complaining about it at all because we both really like this song. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the Kinks were a band that had been around, you know, 20 plus years at this point, And they were, you know, they were kind of an afterthought, I think, to a lot of people. But, you know, they kind of kept their career going. You know, they had... Uh, like an album or two before this, I really liked the song Superman mm-hmm. that, that they had. That. And yeah. so the Kinks were one of those bands where they got played on rock radio. Mm-hmm. And so Scott and I, we've mentioned in the past, being where we're at, we would pick up WMMR. Mm-hmm. And WMMR would have been a, the type of radio station that would have played the Kinks mm-hmm. and would have played new material from the Kinks, yeah. like all through the 70s and into the early 80s. Right, so they would have, when the Kinks would have released an album, which, you know, at the time radio stations will look forward to the new releases of albums and they'd want to be one of the first stations to play whatever songs came out by those bands. Mm-hmm. And I do remember that because it would be like, 
And we've got the new, you know, Kink single that's that's being released here on 93.3 right. WMMR. So we're able to view a lot of different bands that way, right? Through uh, through being able being that close to a bigger market. And it, for me, when I heard the Kinks and Destroyer in 1981, they were kind of equal to a band like the Who, because they were doing kind of the same thing. They were still releasing new mm-hmm. material. Um, you know, you better, you better, you bet mm-hmm. was a song that was was. Around, out at about the same time. Right. And they have similar sounds. They're kind of that British rock music. Well, it's funny because, um, you know, being younger, I don't, I remember the Who after, I remember Pete Townsend. Okay. His because, solo career. Because remember, Pete Townsend in 1980 had the song Let My Love Open the Door, mm-hmm. which was a huge hit. I think it went was, to number one. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite songs. But I remember Pete Townsend. I'm like, as a little kid, I'm like, Pete Townsend's in a band, you know? <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, the Kinks, you're right. Kinks have been around, had been around for a very, very long time. And were an extremely respected yeah. group that was still putting out new music. All right. So that, that's my number nine artist um, would be the Kinks. So number eight is, you know, once again, uh, a band that Scott uh, had played as well. So, but I'm going to give you my favorite song from this band. That's the Black Crows, and Scott, isn't that a fabulous song? Oh, it's great. You can let you can let the whole thing play. And, and so it's kind of interesting while we're sitting here, and I'm thinking about it. You know, having it go back to back with the Kinks, because that sound, that kind of distortion sound that Dave Davies invented, mm-hmm. is so prominent in this song. Well, wow, this this song is so heavy and rich, Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I played Remedy, it's like you could barely. Kind of barely hear him in the mix. Yeah. Um, but he's roaring in this one. This is... That's a good way to describe it. He's roaring. And I thought it was funny because, you know, Rich Rich is younger than Chris. And when they were getting started, <clears throat> you know, I didn't... I didn't was not aware that when they were playing clubs and stuff, they, they had to sneak him in because he was underage. Oh, really? Okay. And that he said, you know, it's funny because he would play there... And they'd sneak him in the back door, and he'd play the bar, and then he'd try and go back in there the next night, and they wouldn't let him in because he wasn't old enough, <laughs> you know, as a, as a patron. Sure, right. And he, he said that kind of became like a running joke where, you know, they it was like, all right, I played here. Now I'm going to try and see if I can get in mm-hmm. the next night, and he would always get turned away because he's like 15. But, you know, that, that has always been my absolute favorite Black Crow song. Of course, it's off the Shaky Moneymaker album. 
that that was the song that won me over. I mean, they, it came out, you know, hard to handle. Mm-hmm. You know, came out, and I was like, okay, you know, it's good. Um, but when I heard that song, I was like, yeah, I, I'm in on this. Well, and and it's funny because when I think of the summer of 1990, and you already played two sibling bands that were really really heavy on the radio and on MTV in 1990, and mm-hmm. that was Nelson. And the Black Crows. Could not have been more different. Really. I, but you know what? They were both extremely popular, yeah. too. And we both liked them. We, we like both bands. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, they're on my list. I mean, so I, I'm, I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I like Nelson. I like the Black Crows. Right. And, you know, back then, it still was okay. Right. It, it Give it about five years, and it wasn't allowed anymore. But back then, it was like, okay, you have a Nelson CD and a Black Crow CD, mm-hmm. and people weren't going to harass you. Right. Yeah, oh, you're exactly right. But yeah, I I love twice as hard. I, I love that song. All right, so we're gonna. That was uh, Black Crows at number eight. We're gonna go to number seven once again. You know, the, moving forward, there's not there's only one band that Scott didn't have in his top, and he had honorable mention. So, but every, everything else we we have. It's just a matter of how it's ranked. Okay. So moving into number seven um, is a song that I'm going to play this song. This is one I know you probably didn't think of. So this is going to be a little before you were into this band. Okay. But it is a song. Hopefully you remember it, but it's one of my favorite songs by the, by this, by this band. I do remember this song. Not a hit. Kind of. It was on MTV. It was played. A, a very much a forgotten song. This was like 1983-ish? 82. 82. Yeah. I remember the music video. She was like being chased by somebody. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is Hart. Mm-hmm. With uh, Anna and Nancy Wilson. And, you know, once again, Nancy's doing a great job on this song, as she always did. Yeah, she's... Very, you know, again, she's known for her guitar playing, but I don't know if she's... For Nancy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if Nancy is respected. We'll probably get her just due as being a really exceptional guitarist. No. And I think it's, you know, they always struggled with the fact of being female, that they were kind of in this male-dominated world, and then they kind of always wanted to pigeonhole them. You know, because, you know, the, you know, and, and play off their looks. And, you know, and then around this time, you know, if I remember right, you know, Nancy now is in her third, or no, I'm sorry, Anne's older. So Anne's like 32-ish and Nancy's 28, I think is how it was. And so this is the early 80s and Anne starts to put a little weight on. Right. And so, but she has this incredible voice. So as we move forward throughout the decade, they kind of, if you go to the videos, they kind of like camouflage her somewhat. And then they start putting Nancy out forward. And as a result, Anne is very offended by mm-hmm. this. But Nancy's offended because she feels like she's being objectified in a way because it's now her body's being put out there. Sure. Yeah. And shortly, you know, it, I think at this point, you know, Hart had this album that came out and it was on MTV, but I don't know if it did as well as people had expected. This album, this yeah. was on the album Passion Works. And it was a bit of a disappointment. It was a band I think they had high hopes for. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, has a really good lead single that which you just heard. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I refuse? Not played ever on on retrospective stations. No, 
Um, which I, which again, I don't know why, because to me that is every bit as good as what you played four mm-hmm. years later. Right, which ended up being a huge hit. Right. Now, maybe the difference was I think the the band still wrote this mm-hmm. song. So this was, you know, they had, didn't have the machine behind them yet. Right, and, if, and it's true because if you did not get the backing of the record label, you could wither and die. And I'm sure, you know, there were other bands that were being pushed front and center in 1982. Heart was a band that had been around for a while. So they sure. were getting, you know, in... In the record company's eyes, maybe they were thought they were being a little long in the tooth. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. It's a reality of the of the business. But yeah, I, I'm glad you play that song because I don't think I remember hearing that probably from when we heard it back back in 19 uh, in our early days of MTV. I stumbled on that. I, I I literally was doing like going through heart uh, videos on YouTube one night, and I stumbled on that, and I'm like, that's a great song. I totally remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. So, uh, you know, that's Heart with number seven on my list, and then Nancy Wilson. And number six on my list is, once again, another band that Scott picked. And we were thinking, similarly, we we went to the same album. Okay. So, with this band. We actually picked the same song initially, but I had a backup song from that album because I, I wanted to go from an era that was a little bit earlier. You'll understand when I play the song. story about the very beginning where they kind of do that chicken scratch and then the bubble bubble yeah. bubble. So this is the BGs folks. So he said every morning when they would leave the house and drive to the recording studio they drove across this bridge in Miami. And it was one of those bridges that had like the graded roadway. You know, it wasn't like a paved okay. bridge. Yeah. So it would make a noise when the tires would hit the bridge and then there were these bar- little barriers that they would hit over, and he said it was almost like it was a beat. Okay. And that's how he got the idea for the beginning of the song, because it was like, it was like, boom, boom, and then he said that's how he kind of got the bubble, bubble, boom. That's how he got the the beat for the okay. opening of the song from it. Well, I just love the fact that they're not singing falsetto. Right. Falsetto is not even part of their vernacular yet. Right. I mean, they do, point. you know... Nights on Broadway, mm-hmm. which was the song I originally had picked, and it's a little bit at the end. Yes. But, you know, they're just singing full voice right here. Right. And again, you know, I mentioned in part one that I really recommend people going back into YouTube and watching the Midnight Special because they performed both of these so- both of our songs on the Midnight Special okay. in 1975. So they did this one first, and then they did Nights on Broadway second and uh, I, I think they are it's it's funny because they're not known as musicians they're right. known as singers right but yet if you've ever seen the Bee Gees in concert uh, you know those, those guys 
with the exception of Robin. Robin doesn't play many instruments, but Morris and Barry, they, they play multiple instruments. Right. I mean, I always remember seeing Barry there with the guitar and think Morris would play the bass frequently. Right. Yeah, so, I mean... There's your scratching from going across the highway? That's right, and, right. They, and they are... Uh, you know, at this point, they are they're a band. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought in guys that end up playing with them for the better part of you know eight, nine, ten years. Right. Where did you you had the BGS like five, something like that? I had the BGS at number five. Okay, so we're close. So you know, I have them at six, and you have them at five. I'm, yeah, right. So that was uh, you know we both went back to 1975 to the main course album for the BGS and Jive uh, Talking with that so that takes me up to to number five on my list and you know scott and i we're we're, we're close within a couple of years with this this band except with with my band um that i'm going to play they're still going by the jackson five name okay hey you can't go wrong with this song yeah This is I want you back. You know, Sean, um, there's been a lot said about Michael Jackson's singing voice as an adult. Uh, but for a young kid who's making pop music, is there a singer that's ever had a better singing voice than Michael Jackson as a young kid? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, because, you know, I think I remember when we played the, um, like the TV personalities or whatever where we had Donny Osmond mm-hmm. and you know, you played Puppy Love yes and you know he has such a different voice and it's a little child singing yes. in, in many ways where well, Michael is it's it's a kid singing but he's a great singer yeah yeah I mean you recognize the the ability and range in his voice and it's not a novelty no it's not him. it's not and all you, had, you know it's it's funny because one of the first things I remember, I, I watched the YouTube of them performing the song. I think it was on Ed Sullivan. Okay. And he, even though he's at that point, he's probably the youngest member of the group. Mm-hmm. He's the leader. Sure. He's front and center. I mean, the yeah. other guys are performing around him. And of course, the Jackson Five, and I'll run off who was in the Jackson Five was Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, because Jermaine's still there, because this was at Motown, Marlon, and Michael. Mm-hmm. And Michael's the meal ticket. They, yeah. And you, you know, we've mentioned times before where you know you have certain entertainers that you can't take your eyes off of them. Mm-hmm. You're drawn to Michael now, and I mentioned this in part one that that Jermaine ended up having a really good and respectable R&B career uh, mm-hmm. through Motown. Sure, um, but no, he was not anywhere close to the level that that his brother Michael was. And kind of a shame, you know, for him to always have to be in the shadows of his brother, but right. you know, that's, you know, Michael was he was beyond just a generational talent. I mean, he's 
he's up there with with Elvis. I mean, there's there's a couple people that are going to go down as you know the biggest the Mount Rushmore sure uh, names. And Michael Jackson was the king of pop for Gen X. Sure. Okay. All right. So on um, well, my list, Jackson Five, number five, number four. Uh, Scott and I, we actually go to the same album for this band. We both were thinking similarly. We're going to go back over to Australia. Mm-hmm. I, think I, I, I picked this in particular because I think you can pick the, the Young Brothers out. Yeah. Right there. You got Malcolm strumming the rhythm, and you got Angus doing the oi! And then you got the pirate Bon Scott coming in. I think I know what you mean, Bon. <laughs> so these were lyrics that an eight, nine, ten year old could understand. <laughs> I don't know about the women part. <laughs> well, you understood what he was saying. You didn't sure. get the, the full depth of it, but yeah. Yeah, one of the real shames, and ACDC went on with Brian Johnson and had tremendous success. Back mm-hmm. in Black is an all-time album, second best-selling album yep, ever. Yep, thriller, yeah. But Bon Scott really was an incredible voice. Yeah. And it's a shame that, you know, he had to, you know, he passed away. You know, uh, it's great... I credit the the rest of the band for continuing on, and uh, like I said, I'm glad that they had gave us many more years of good music after that. I think Brian Johnson would probably be the first guy to tell you that his voice pales in comparison to Bon Scott. Sure. Now, now Brian Johnson doesn't he just seem like a good dude? He does. I mean, he understands it. He does. He he, he has always said. I, you know, I'm only in this band because what happened to Bond. Yeah. And he always said Bond was a better lyricist than what I am. You know, I'm happy to fill the shoes, but that's all I'm doing. Yeah, and, and he kind of fit in as a buddy of the group. Right. And, and and it also helped that, you know, he's the same height, which is about <laughs> as tall as what I am. So, it you know, that's something as a kid, I never quite realized how short they were. Right. Because you had Malcolm and Angus and Brian Johnson and even Bon Scott all out front, and they were all about 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, but they're on stage, you can't tell. Well, but the fact is they were all similar height to right. one another. Right. So, you know, then you would get by uh, Cliff Williams back there playing bass, and, you know, he's probably not that tall. at six feet, and he looked like a giant. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, that's ACDC. Of course, going back to the Bon Scott days, and uh, with, that's ACDC TNT, number four on my list as, you know, the all-time greatest sibling band mates. Number three, you know what's got? Let's just stay in Australia. Show some love to our, our fans and our listeners over there in Australia with my number three all time greatest sibling band, which is one of my all time favorite bands ever, period. And this this song, Not Enough Time, might be my favorite in excess song okay. ever. I, I don't think it gets nearly the respect and the uh, the play that it deserves. But and just we talk about the Ferris Brothers, mm-hmm. 
John Ferris is very prominent in this song. I mean, his drumming is very prominent. Right. Which is shows how versatile the band is because there are some songs where John's all over it, yeah. and then there are other songs where he's barely playing. And then like that he does in the background. I, I love that. And what a loss, Michael Hutchins not being around. Yeah, and it, now granted, I know in the days of MTV, it was like it was hard for bands to remain a unit. Yeah, and clearly because Michael Hutchins, being one of the better-looking guys in rock music, mm-hmm. got thrust to the, the the forefront of the band in excess, uh, which he clearly is like. At this point, he's front and center of the band, but the Ferris Brothers were such a driving force, uh, and their their ability to create different kinds of music from album to album. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that was kind of cool and I, that I like so much about NXS is I knew the next album was not going to sound carbon copy to the album before. Sure. So you played the one thing, mm-hmm. right? And that is what would you say, like '83, kind of '82, '83, yeah. yeah. And then this is, I, I, I don't have the date in front of me, but it's like early 90s. It's 91, I yeah, think. Yeah, right about. Yeah. And so, close you know, eight, nine, ten years later, and they've really changed their sound. They have, but... It still sounds like in excess. You know it's very much in excess, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's why I appreciate them that you know, the album before this was Kick, and, and Kick was clearly def, uh, different sounding than what, you know, this one had Suicide Blonde on it, and... It was just a, but this is a little bit more of a dreamy sound. Yeah. But it, I, I'm glad you played this because I hadn't heard this in a long time. Oh, really? Because I listen to this one all the time. I haven't, I don't think I've heard this one in probably a good 30 years. Get out of here. Yeah. I probably, uh, I mean, I, I listen to it frequently. Yeah. Wow. So I'm glad I could uh, bring back a memory. So there you go. So I got heart. I yeah. pulled one that one out of the archives yeah, for you. And now we two of them. We got NXS. Um, it's again, that's a back-to-back from Australia. All right, so we're going to go number two on my list. And this is the first time my brother and I aren't in total agreement where he had this band as an honorable mention. Okay. And this band has made number two on my list. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to play my favorite song. Not necessarily the biggest hit. A very big hit. Mm-hmm. A bigger hit over... In Europe, in England, than what it is in the U.S., but this is Oasis with Noel singing lead.
So I figured we had to let that get to the chorus. That's our chorus is Don't Look Back in Anger, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like I said, Noel singing, not Liam. And I debated which song I was going to come up with. You know, I kept going back and forth because, you know, this is about siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, you know, I'd include Liam, but, you know, you got Champagne Supernova in there, and, and you already told me that you didn't really like Liam that much, so. Well, in... And I also mentioned the fact that the reason that I put them on honorable mention is because I didn't appreciate sure. them when they were out, right? And, and I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to, you know, come across as false sure. and say, oh yeah, I knew they were great. They're a great no, band. That's that's I, honest. You know, the, yeah. the, the simple fact is, when when they were at their height and their biggest, I wasn't on board with it. Sure. And, but now the one I've actually come back, and I have their greatest hits compilation. Mm-hmm. And I went back and listened to the whole thing all the way through. I'm like, this is really good. And most of that can be, well, I shouldn't say most of that. I mean, a lot of it's 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 Noel songwriting, mm-hmm. which, it, you know, what's amazing about the brother the brothers Gallagher, to me is these guys should not have been superstars. I mean, there's there's nothing about their background that says that they should have become, arguably. The biggest band in the world, mm-hmm. where you have Liam, no formal training. I mean, he's he's a you know he, he's some guy from the streets. He's he's a he's a guy that gets into fights and but they said that at least in this the documentary I talked about um, Supersonic that he would go in there and he like for the, the the big songs that they would have had you know you know Wonderwall, Champagne Supernova. He did them in one or two takes. I mean, he literally and. Noel would write the songs, and he, you know, Liam would walk in, you know, you know, probably drunk half the time, and he'd come in and he, he kind of would hum stuff to him a little bit about what he wanted, and they said Liam would just knock it out, mm-hmm. and he just had this this ability, and then he'd go off, mm-hmm. and but knew that that Noel he would spend hour after hour after hour just working in the studio where once again no formal training, mm-hmm. he just has this ability to write these songs that are all time classics, right. And add to the fact, the brothers don't like each other. Hmm. And so they, they talk about, like, during the making of What's the Story Morning Glory, that, you know, Noel would get mad at Liam, and they said at one time, you know, how I told the story about how uh, Alex Van Halen's, like, cradling Eddie's head when hmm. he's punching him. Yeah. Well, Noel literally took a cricket mallet to the back of Liam's head. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was not trying to cradle He's, like, smacks him, like, in the head with a bat. Yeah. So, you know, that, but that is the kind of the chemistry that they had, where I think at least during the height of their popularity, they understood what the other person had. I mean, sure. uh, Noel understood that Liam was a great singer that could deliver his material. And Liam would, all, you go look at old interviews, he always said that as far as he was concerned, the greatest songwriters were the Beatles and then his brother. Mm-hmm. You know that he he said that's all I need. I don't I, I can just listen to the Beatles and my brother, and I I never need to hear another songwriter ever. Right. No, that's like I said, uh, Oasis is is a great choice, and I'm not surprised that you have them that far up at number. Well, because I talk about them. So yeah, you, you know, know, it's like yeah. I it's it as Scott said, he didn't want to like be dishonest. Well, I mean, he knows I'm you know enthusiastic about Oasis. Right. So. Which is amazing to me that, you know, as we're doing this list, I have a lot of 90s bands on here, more you than do. I thought I might. Yeah, you do. You know, I always look back fondly upon my, my teenage years in the 80s, but I really was into a lot of that 90s music. Well, you know, you always talk about that 
you really started to get back into music in the late 90s. Yeah. And I read, I discovered that music for the first time. Don't look back in anger is probably what, 96, 97? Uh, maybe a little earlier. Yeah. Cause maybe finally 94 ish or so, perhaps in that range. I, I could be totally wrong, but right. I, probably, I probably didn't discover it right away. Okay. Yeah. Cause um, I know the album that, that I had picked mine off of that was what's the story of morning glory that was 1995 yeah and that this was off that album okay. as well yeah okay. so it's the same same time frame all right so number number two now we we all know who's going to be number one but we'll, we'll get we'll get to number one eventually so i have <laughs> a few patient. i have be a patient. few honorable mentions and and um my first honorable mention i thought might actually be on your list okay so it's kind of surprising that this is uh on my list but you'll know it the instantly <laughs> First, we're talking new kids on the block. Yeah. Step by step. And the Knight Brothers. And the Knight Brothers. We have a, a Jordan Jonathan Knight. Never even thought of them as a sibling band. Really? Yeah. Okay. Even though Mark Wahlberg was, for about two weeks, was a member of New Kids on the Block, along with Donnie. Oh, I guess that was true. Yeah. Now, there there were, what would you say, Scott, about 12 to 20 people that had the, the wonderful experience of you and I doing a rendition of this song <laughs> right in about 1989 or so? I think, no, this came out in 1990. Okay, so it would have been 1990. Summer of 1990. Yeah. So we did an impromptu uh, uh, version of this song in front of the whole group of people. Right off the video. Yeah. And people actually seem to like it. So I think I think some girls clapped. I think so. Yeah. 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 You know, Donnie, if you're listening, um, I think my wife loves you more than she loves me. Just, just saying. <laughs> um, now she's she's always been a big New Kids fan. She's always been a big Donnie fan. However, we're not going to focus on Donnie because right. this is about the Knight Brothers. This is about Jordan and Jonathan. And you know, obviously, Jordan was the more prominent of the two. You know, he was the, the lead singer on uh, most of the songs. But, you know, there's always something to be said for having that solid guy in the background. Right. But, you know, at the main part here, where they all sing their solos. Yeah, well, we can get to that. We'll, we'll you, let it play. Are you going to be able to identify who is who? Um, get ready. I think so. Okay. I think so. You know, it's funny. This is—I got to remember all their names to begin with. This is an honorable mention, and we're going to let the kind of let the whole song play through. <laughs> what's what, what, what's the big guy's name? Danny. Danny. All right, he's the first one. What's that? He's the first one. He is the first yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's like we we let my like my big songs go, or we cut them off early. Yeah. Well, I think you know Gen X fans. Recognize how important new kids were to the era. Here we go. Danny. Donnie. Donnie. Jordan. Jonathan. Oh, Joey. Joey. All right, John. Okay. 
you almost All got right. it. I was I was impressed. And I haven't really listened to this one in many years. <laughs> you know, and unlike the in excess, not enough time, which I you know still listen to. I haven't listened to that for a long time. So, new kids on the block, featuring the Knight Brothers. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, my next honorable mention, a band out of Georgia. Got two brothers here, Ed and Dean Rowland, Collective Soul. Still together. They're still the only two guys from. Well, no, I shouldn't t- say that. Uh, uh, Will, for or Will's last name, is the bass player still with them? And this is their very first hit, "Shine." Collective Soul. Again, one of those bands you don't really hear a whole lot, especially when you're talking grunge. And they and they like Stone Temple Pilots. They kind of bridge that, going from post grunge into more of a rock type sound. So, do you know how Ed Rowland gets that yeah sound? No. This is he said this is true. They're in the studio and he can't quite get the sound right. So he literally goes in the bathroom, and he takes an empty toilet paper roll. Okay. So that's why there's a little reverberation when he when he does it. And he said to this day, he every, obviously every concert they play it. He says he doesn't he hasn't said it in years. He does not do the yell part. The crowd does it. Okay. But well, I can I can believe that. But everyone's anticipating and then they stop and they get the entire crowd always yells. He goes, I haven't done the, I have not done that in over twenty five years. Okay. So uh, that is Collective Soul with, with Shine and the brothers Roland, Ed, and Dean. Okay, so my next honorable mention, um, every member of the band is a brother. Mm-hmm. So they're siblings. So this is a kind of, for me, a one-hit wonder. I don't know if, uh, I'm sure they had other things, but this is the only song I know them for. That's funny, Sean. Um, about two years ago, I was DJing a wedding. Yeah. And the age group of the bride and groom. So any wedding DJ, as you know, when you first get into DJing, the married couples are older than you. Mm-hmm. Then you're the same age. Then you are older than the married couple. And then you're old enough to be their parent. Right. Right. So. And of course, uh, this is Hanson with Umbop. Yes. So I, the the bride and groom about two years ago they they were about I think Allie's age so they're they're in their early twenties okay and I thought mm, it's, it's about the right age <laughs> I played this song and they went crazy really they I loved, thought they I thought they it. wouldn't know who it was they loved it did they were they familiar with it they yeah I, they were um, it turns out they were you know this late nineties stuff yeah actually resonated with kids that were born pretty much the same year it was coming out okay that uh like like my daughter she 
loved like the Spice Girls and yeah. stuff that came out when even before she was born. I really liked this this genre, this this time mm-hmm. th- when that music was coming out. I I kind of had to take a couple years off. You know, I, I want to do an episode where we talk about some '90s country because I didn't like what was happening with a lot of music. Even though I'm playing a ton of '90s music here, mm-hmm. I, I it, you know I keep saying all the time I was not into grunge. So I, I kind of had to search for other things. But the moment that late '90s pop came out, I was so on board with that. Yeah, and you know, for a band like Hanson, that was. And of course, we're talking Isaac Taylor and Zach. Right, and Taylor was the singer in that. Right, and unfortunately for Taylor, I think he was what about thirteen or fourteen? Uh, they were they were young, and you know you got to grow up, and so his voice changes. Sure, he, you know he can't sing that high throughout the tour for the you know when we go and see these concerts of bands that have been around for 40, 50 years, you're you're hearing them when you hear them for the first time. You're hearing them as adults. Now for a group like Hanson, you know Taylor's got to go out and sing that song. He's clearly going to sound different, right? And it's kind of a shame because I think, I think it it it'll it affects their fan base because he'll never be able to get that sound back. It's hard to get the nostalgia, right? I mean, because like when you went and saw Rick Springfield and you know Tommy Two Tone, you know Paul Young, it's you're going for nostalgia, yes, and you want to hear it similar to how it was thirty years ago. 40 years ago, whatever or, it is. Or close facsimile. Yeah, you know? right. And when, when the artist can pull it off, you're really pleased. Yes. You know, because you, you kept saying how you thought Paul Young did such a good job. and But he wasn't trying to sound like he was 14. Which right. make you know yeah. which is, would make it tough for Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. But, but that certainly is, for me, kind of a one-hit wonder. I, they may have had other songs, I don't know. But for me, that's the one and only song they had, and I always really liked it. <laughs> so the next one that we have is, I'm going to play you this song by a, an artist. Uh, Scott took my song in, in his half of this episode, part one. So I'm going to play for you another song by this band. Where we still have the brothers, the Panazzo brothers out of uh, Chicago, Chuck and John. Once again, another Tommy Shaw song, and the Sticks. And I'll tell you, Scott, why I picked this song in particular is because on one of your favorite shows, Live from Daryl's House, mm-hmm. Tommy Shaw goes on there and does a rendition of this song that is killer. It is, yeah. I, I, I think I got chills the first time I saw him perform it. He, he's like, he's kind of laid back, he's kind of like nervous, kind of plugging in. And the moment he starts, he launches... And it's like he's Tommy Shaw. Yeah, like you said, he's he's very quiet. He's kind of being overly polite. Yeah. When he's like, "Oh, is it okay if I put this here?" And, yeah. And you want me to take guys, the first part? Okay, I'll take the first part. Do you guys need to do a warm up? And and oh, no, Daryl doesn't warm up. And oh, okay, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, they just rip into it. And I know Dennis DeYoung had more of the charting hits for Sticks. Mm-hmm. 
but over the course of their career, I like the Tommy Shaw stuff better. Well, there's a reason why I played a Tommy Shaw song. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm much more into Tommy Shaw sticks than I was. I mean, I did like some Dennis DeYoung stuff, but I think he had the tendency to go a little too soft. Yeah. And Tommy Shaw he really did like to keep an edge to it. And I think that's the reason why you and I both like Damn Yankees. Yes. And when Tommy Shaw goes over and work with Jack, works with Jack Blaze and Ted Nugent, it has that edge. It does. But it still has the, the harmony mm-hmm. as well. So that is Sticks, one of the honorable mentions. Like I said, the, the Panazzo brothers uh, don't get enough credit for what they contributed to the success of Sticks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give them some of that love here tonight. Now, my final honorable mention is, is a band and a song that I bet you haven't heard for a while. Maybe you have. But it's you featured, you featured one of the bands these two brothers were in. Okay, they they were they were in two bands together at different times. But when I was originally introduced to this band, it was with a song. Listening to the Finn brothers, mm-hmm. Neil and Tim, and this time it's not in Crowded House. Right. It's in the the first band I heard them in, Split Ends. Split Ends, yeah. And this is one of the first videos we ever saw on MTV. Yes, that's what I remember about yes. it. Yes, I, I remember the music video very very distinctly. Mm-hmm. And it, it has that new wave sound, mm-hmm. which I think sometimes gets lost a little bit. I don't think it gets played enough because it was it was you know it was very short little time where new wave was big but i I really liked it well even though they were from australia new zealand area that they they kind of jumped in and this was around the same time that in excess was getting heard Mm -hmm. in the united states as well so we're getting exposed to not only dance from england coming over with the british second british invasion but there are also some, some acts coming up from Australia as well that were fitting into that same type of sound. Right. And then, of course, choice, yeah. you know, then the Finn brothers go over at separate times in their crowded house, mm-hmm. which is primarily Neil's band. But, yeah. you know, Tim comes over eventually, and you, many episodes ago, played a crowded house song. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's when for some listeners in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... Um, once again, that brings back a lot of fond memories just because that, to me, that song really epitomizes the early days of MTV. It does. And I know there are probably many of our listeners are very big fans of Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. which was around the same time. They all got started around the same time. But I think in terms of sound, I don't know about you, but I gravitated more towards the Fins than I did towards a band like Depeche Mode. Because even though they were coming out at the same time, um, you know, Depeche Mode was a little more uh, synthesized. I and think. They, they they were darker a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think that um, you know this song, like I said, I distinctly remember the music video. Mm-hmm. And then when they when uh, Neil came out with Crowded House, I just seemed to gravitate more towards their sound. Right, 
Right. So that wraps up my honorable mentions. Okay. This is going to take me to number one. Uh, I don't know. You want me to do a recap or wait till after I do number one to do a recap? You can do it now. Okay. So we'll, we'll lead up to, to number one, you know, because I know the suspense is like looming out there because people are like, well, what's he going to pick? What band? What band of brothers could, <laughs> could Sean High pick? Because, you know, we, all of a sudden, we, we know him so well and we know his musical taste. I, we're, we're clueless. What could this be? So anyways, number 12 was, was Nelson with Matthew and Gunner. Uh, number 11, Stone Temple Pilots with the uh, DeLeo brothers, uh, Dean and Robert. Number 10 was The Gap Band, which, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm going I'm to hype The Gap Band some more over the upcoming years, just because, you know, the Wilson Brothers, led by Charlie, Ronnie, and Robert, were that was an excellent uh, band. Number 9 was The Kinks, Ray and Dave Davies. Number 8, The Black Crows, with Chris and Rich Robinson. Number 7 was Hart, with Ann and Nancy Wilson. Number 6, The Bee Gees, with Barry, Robin, and Mars. Maurice, or Morris, however he was saying it back then, Gibb. Uh, the Jackson 5 was number 5, how about that, uh, with Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, and Michael. Number 4, one of my original bands that I got into was ACDC with Malcolm and Angus Young. Number 3, In Excess with Andrew, Tim, and John Ferris. Number 2, Oasis with Noel and Liam Gallagher. And number 1, I know it's going to be a shock to those of you out there, but there's this band out of California, Two Brothers, Eddie and Alex. Come on, This is Finish What You Started uh, by Van Halen. And, and Scott, the reason I picked this song, um, I, I, it, it was not a Dave versus Sammy comparison. It was like, what song can I play that kind of features the two brothers? Mm-hmm. And I always liked the beginning of that song. How, you know, first off, we hear Alex counting it down. Right. And then we hear, you know, we hear the drums, we hear Eddie's guitar, and it's basically the two of them playing off each other. It is. And. Because Michael Anthony isn't, you don't really hear as much of the bass. It's pretty much drums and guitar. Correct. Yeah. And I remember Sammy talking about how they made the video for this song and how when they cut it in the studio, there was a lot of controversy over the mix. Because if you listen to it, there's not it's not your typical big Van Halen sound. Right. It's it's really kind of intimate. In, in many ways and that he, he described it as a dry sound like it didn't have a lot of texture to it okay so when they when they uh, so there's a lot of debate as to whether or not they were going to keep it that way or if they're going to try and expand it and they ultimately voted on keeping it the way it mm-hmm. was I'm glad they did because the cool thing about it is it sounds it's di- it, you know it's Van Halen but it's different right now I remember when I heard this for the first time mm-hmm. it, it, it struck me as different and I liked it the first time. I, 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 I did, and I'm I'm glad now. All these years later, this you know this was off the OU812 album, came out in 1988. I think it stands up better today because of the way they recorded it. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first CD I ever bought. Okay. That I ever purchased. 
and I saw this tour. Yeah. I saw this one in Wichita, and the uh, I'm pretty sure they did this song in concert. Yeah. Uh, no, good choice because I'm surprised you actually went with the Sammy song. Well, you know, I I like the Sammy era. I do. I do too. Uh, you know, Van Halen, Curious, uh, but there's a lot of Van Halen fans like you and I that are that are fans of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you, you have to pull my arm. I'm probably going to pick Dave over. Oh, Sammy. sure, sure. But when the Van Halen stuff, and I think I commented about this way back early in one of our first episodes, is that when the Sammy stuff was coming out, especially when I was in high school, Van Halen was one of my favorite groups. Oh yeah, of the '80s. Yeah. And I, I do have them down as one of my oh you ate one too I think I had listed as one of my favorite albums uh, of all time so mm, okay it just it caught me at the right time it was this came out right around my this was my senior year mm-hmm. of high school no I remember you really liking this song in particular yeah so no a, a good choice of songs I thought maybe you're gonna tell the story about Maybe Eric Bazilian and Rob Hyman, <laughs> she, you know, uh, touching bloody fingers and becoming blood brothers, <laughs> and yeah. that and that allowed them to to make my list. The Hooters make your siblings. Nope, nope. Yeah, the the other band that gets mentioned in every episode, and that'd be Van Halen. I, I don't know that there'd be too many people that that would win an argument with us not having Van Halen, at least in the top five. You know, as, as you say that when you look at any of our lists, I think you can play around with the order somewhat, but. We out of out of our you know twelve names that we came up with. I mean, you and I were pretty close to what we selected. I figured we would be, and like I said, to me, it was just going to be a matter of which songs right. that you and I were going to pick. And but we surprised each other with a couple. Yeah, and and I'm glad that, and that's why it just goes to show that for those of you listening, and I'm sure you probably thought of different groups. Other than what we chose, I mean, mm-hmm. I did write down a list of some names that popped into my head. Okay, that weren't mentioned. Uh, we did not talk about. Well, some people might be a big fan of the Carpenters. You know, uh, Richard I and didn't, Carpenter. didn't even think of them. The you know the Beach Boys recorded well into the eighties. I, I thought about them. Um, you know, I the Allman Brothers. They were I, they were huge in the seventies. I thought about them as well. Yeah, uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Really, they were siblings in that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Um, Nickelback started in the 90s. Yeah, I thought about Nickelback. I almost uh, picked Spandau Ballet as an honorable mention. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, the two brothers, the sure. two guitarists yeah. in there. And uh, Radiohead. I know a lot of okay. people are big fans of Radiohead. I was never personally a fan of Radiohead, so I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to be dishonest, even though they're voted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and are considered one of the best bands right. ever. Um, you know, the two brothers in, in there, uh, I just was never a big fan of, of uh, the group. No Striper on that list? Striper, no. See, no. brothers, the Sweet Brothers could have been. No, that's true. Yeah. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's I'm sure there's there's names that we omitted or, or didn't think of that uh, you, the listeners, are probably, you know, maybe disappointed. or, But that's not why we come up with lists like right. this. It's kind of to jog the memory and say, okay, Go back and revisit some of these some of these groups that that you had, maybe hadn't heard, like that heart song that you played. Mm-hmm. I had not heard in so many years, and even the uh, in excess song probably hadn't heard that in over thirty years. So it's um it's it's cool to be able to hear bands 
play good, you know, play some of their good songs that don't get played all the time anymore. Right. Yeah. Good. So I, you know, I, as you you know, when I told you that I kind of had a an idea for this episode that I was excited mm-hmm. by, it. and I was. It, it was it was one that uh, you know I didn't have to struggle to come up with names, and it was just a matter of which song I was going to pick, and, right. and that you know I think my list actually the order I came up with that pretty quickly. But for me, it was the, the because almost all these artists have pretty big catalogs. Yeah, and I had a lot of fun digging through this as well. It's like like you said, my my top twelve kind of formed and shaped itself pretty fast. Yeah, and then it was just a matter of okay, so now what am I going to tell my story with? Right, and so I, I, it was um, you know it was kind of a fun case study in in coming up with with what you like, and you know hopefully you know. You as listeners, you went through this exercise as well, and and start you know think about what you know would we miss you know that's that's yeah. the sort of thing it's it's always good to know what is out there you know when I was talking to uh, to one of my friends a listener of ours you know Jack Kerr and he was you know I was, I was talking about an upcoming up this upcoming episode and a name that he threw out there that I wasn't going to make my list but he's like the Dixie Chicks mm-hmm. you know so there's many many other artists out there that you could think of that sure. could fall in that. So hopefully it's something that, that you as listeners can kind of play along with and, and continue. And I mean, um, you know, like I said, it, it, for me, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. You know, that's, it's good. Uh, good thing to go back and, and look at. So thanks, Sean. Yeah, sure. No. So now that was episode 34. Episode number 35 is coming up. It, it's going to be your choice. So what do you have for us? Well, it's funny that when we, when we, did this cover this episode that we went through as many bands as I think we may talk about in the next episode. But what I wanted to do next, uh, and I touched on it when we opened up part one of this episode with David Foster. And sometimes I don't know if we give enough love to the international flavor of our listenership and, and maybe some of the things that we enjoyed from a music standpoint growing up as kids. But I think you and I both showed with this particular list that there's there's a lot on there from the uh, country of Australia. Mm-hmm. And I know we had talked about this way back when, about possibly putting together an episode of some of our favorite music from Australia. Ah, so it's interesting that you say that, because I have a list that I compiled maybe eight months ago, <laughs> a complete list of artists from Australia. So it's in a notebook. All right, good. It's uh, you know, and it it could not, it might not necessarily be like the body of work. You know, it could just be a one song. Like, uh, I, there's one song in particular that I that I think of, and I don't know that they did anything else that was really in the United States. However, this one particular song was was really huge for a, a period of time. Okay, song that I really liked. So it's not like I'm saying. Uh, you know, like the band is 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 awesome, but there's a little snapshot of music that that you and I probably mm-hmm. enjoyed when it came out in the time that it came out. So, okay, we're going to uh, it's going to be our favorite Australian songs of Gen X. This is what we're going to title title the episode. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, Scott, no, that's great. So, I I look forward to it. Like I said, I think I have most of the uh, my research done with that. So, but we uh, hopefully. Uh, uh, we, we, we're not too similar with everything we have, at least with songs, but no, it's good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be good. give us an opportunity to, again, kind of dive into a little deeper dive into some of the music. And as our show keeps going on and on, 
know, we want to we want to try and take some of those deeper dives, and and we started out pretty broad, like albums of the '80s, right? And now we can get a little bit more specific as we as we talk about whether it's TV or movies or sure. whatever. So. Nope, it should be great. So I look forward to it. All right. So again, we the Brothers High want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Gen X Playback Show. And we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't have support from listeners like you. Check out our playlist on Spotify. Mine is listed under Sibling Bands. And mine is Siblings in Bands. Okay. So we're pretty similar there. Yeah, exactly. So we, uh, we'll talk to you next time as we get our favorite songs from Australia in the Gen X era. So uh, tune in for it. And again, thanks for listening to the Gen X Playback Show. We're the Brothers High. I'm Scott. And I'm Sean. And we'll talk to you next time. See ya.